first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. Are you ready? Ready? You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You get nothing! You lose! This is Sparta! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... The B-List! Welcome back to The B-List, episode number two... I am your host, Sean Piercy. Thanks very much for listening in. Now, just before we get into the podcast, a few housekeeping things. We are on some social media platforms, like our Facebook page, facebook.com, The B List with Sean Piercy. We're also on Instagram and Twitter, at B underscore List Piercy. So please follow us and uh, give us a like, and uh, we'd be happy to interact with you there. Now that that's out of the way, we can look forward to this week's episode. We've got a whole bunch of really cool stuff on. For this week, we've got another B-grade breakdown. This week, we we're looking at Sharknado. Oh boy. We're also spotlighting the illustrious career of the great <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Lots of stuff on uh, today's show, so let's jump straight into it. What, what, what B grade b- 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 breakdown? Yes, so this week's B-grade breakdown, as I said before, is Sharknado. <laughs> With this movie, the best thing I can say is that you get exactly what you're expecting. Spoilers for this film as well, by the way. Although <laughs> I don't really think I need to say that because I don't think too many people are actually going to watch this movie. These great storms, these great tornadoes are bearing down on LA and they're filled with sharks. They're lifting sharks out of the water and they're attacking the city with them. And oh boy, the director and the cast of this film are relatively unknown. The one person who you might recognize is Tara Reid. She was from the original American Pie franchise, the the trilogy, before it really went down the toilet. And uh, she's obviously not an A-list celebrity. And this was her chance to really get back into the spotlight. Interesting career move for sure. Instead of letting live sharks rain down on people, we're going to get in that chopper and throw bombs into the tornadoes. Sharknado is one of the campiest of all campy films I think I've ever seen, and that's actually why it works. This is an enjoyable movie in the same way that, like we spoke about last week with Tommy Wiseau's The Room, you can laugh at this film because it doesn't take itself too seriously. And even The Room took itself a bit too seriously at times, which started to make it a bit embarrassing. This film knows what it is, and so you can laugh with it. The acting is done in such a way that it is serious, but you know that the actors are also just having a really fun time, and you can really get into that. There's no budget for this film whatsoever. You can't even call it a low budget because I don't think any money was actually put into the making of this film. There's times where characters are driving in cars and there's supposed to be green screen happening and there isn't. It's literally just you see this grey background out of the windows. One of the funniest moments I found in this film where there were these cuts from daylight where there was sunshine and the characters looking in the distance. They look very concerned because there's something that's bothering them or something that's about to hit them. And the next second, there's a camera angle from behind them and the weather's completely changed out of nowhere. There's there's storm clouds everywhere, it's pouring with rain, there's tornadoes coming through, you can see the sharks again, and then the next second it'll cut back to being sunny and the characters will be running through a car park, there's not a cloud in the sky. This will happen about 10 times in any given scene. It's unbelievable, really. I also loved the supporting characters in this film, mainly because they are literally just there to be killed in inventive ways by these flying sharks from the sky. They have a shelf life of about 60 seconds if they're lucky. The storyline's ridiculous, the plot's ridiculous, the acting's terrible, the scripting is terrible, there's no budget for this film, but that was always meant to be the case with Sharknado. That's why it's called Sharknado. It's about tornadoes that have sharks in them. You know exactly what to expect from this film. If that's what you're looking for, you can't go past Sharknado. The 
So Sharknado will go down in history for me as one of those guilty pleasure films, one of those movies I actually enjoyed, although I don't really want to tell people that I did enjoy it because it's a little bit embarrassing. But then I was thinking about it, and we all have films like that, don't we? Everyone has movies that they've watched before that don't have very good reputations or are actually pretty awful movies, but you just enjoy them. Sometimes you can't even explain it. Other times you have your own personal reasons for it, but everyone has those movies. So I thought I'd go around and ask some people what their guilty pleasure films were. What were some movies that they'd seen that they actually really enjoyed that were quite embarrassing that they didn't really want to admit to other people that they enjoyed. And I got some pretty interesting answers. Okay, uh, my guilty pleasure of um, film viewing is probably Annie with the, the old young lass with the ginger fro. That's the way to go, representing. Uh, really love Apu. He's an awesome character. And how he saves her on the helicopter. It's a very uh, emotional moment, really. Reaching out and she's crying and he just grabs her. It's beautiful. I hope I remembered it right. I haven't watched it for a few years. <laughs> Do many people know that you quite enjoy that movie? Oh, yeah, I don't mind confessing it, but only when it comes up, you know, they go, oh, Annie, and I'm like, well, actually, but usually I keep that to myself. My guilty pleasure movie is Sharknado. And so what did you enjoy about that movie? Um, that it was just so bad that it was funny. Right, and do many people, do you tell many people, do you recommend this film to other people? Mm, yeah, 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 I do now and then, but I don't tell them I've watched it. My guilty pleasure movie is The Little Mermaid and Dumb and Dumber. And I think that's probably a bit strange because can you tell everyone how old you are? I'm 28 years old. Do you still regularly enjoy The Little Mermaid? Yes. With no shame? No shame. The this week's Spotlight. So talking about film embarrassments like Sharknado and of course some of those films mentioned there, Nicolas Cage, what a career, what an illustrious career, what an enigma of a man. No one quite knows how to make heads or tails of this actor. He has had an amazing career spanning the good uh, and the bad and the absolutely atrocious in terms of film choices and career decisions that he has made. Now, we'll start with some of the good. National Treasure is a movie that I actually enjoyed. It's certainly a poor man's Indiana Jones. Uh, it takes a lot of the same kind of uh, film tropes of, of that genre, of the adventure genre. But Nicolas Cage does a good job. He's definitely a charismatic actor. There's no denying that. I also really enjoyed the likes of Con Air, which is another movie similar to Sharknado in the sense that it's campy, it knows what it is. But it's also Con Air is one of those films that I genuinely think was The Expendables before The Expendables. Because if you think about it, it was it was a huge ensemble cast of these action heroes of the time. I said, put the bunny back in the box. But Connie did it so well and Nicolas Cage did really well in that sense that it's actually still a pretty enjoyable movie. And of course he's been in other films as well. He got an Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas in 1995 so that's pretty amazing. However moving into the bad films there have been petitions in the past for Nicolas Cage to have his Oscar and his Academy Award stripped from him for films like The Wicker Man. Oh, this is an outing that is just never going to be advised for any actor you would feel. Nicolas Cage is the only one who you could kind of accept the fact that a Hollywood actor took on this role to begin with. It's unbelievable. This movie can't get away with being a so good it's bad film because it actually is working off some really good source material. The original Wicker Man film wasn't exactly well received at the time because it was quite controversial in a lot of the content it was dealing with, but it was a very effective film and it's been praised as a, as a fantastic film in terms of its structure, 
and just the way it was constructed and put together, the 2006 outing with Nicolas Cage was just abysmal. It completely bombed in every sense of being a good film, including Nicolas Cage's performance, which is just quite atrocious, to be perfectly honest. In short, you either have to admire him for his willingness to apparently act in anything and just accept every role that ever comes across his desk, ever, or you'll just end up hating the fact that he seems to do anything for a paycheck. But either way, he's a joy to watch on screen, whether he's in good movies or bad movies, because he is charismatic and he just carries these bad films. And his willingness to just do anything is something that I personally admire him for, and I'll continue to watch him no matter what he's in in the future. Sean Slick pick for a sec flick. Sean Slick pick for a sec flick. Sean's slick pick for a sick flick. So this week's slick pick for a sick flick, I had to go in the same vein as Nicolas Cage themed, and I decided to go with Face Off, the 1997 action epic by John Woo. Now, John Woo is, in my opinion, the original Michael Bay, that one director who takes explosions and big guns and cheesy one-liners and other terrible dialogue just to a whole new level in these films. He was the one who did it first. And re-watching this film last night in preparation for this podcast, I've got to say, this film really is just an action movie at its core. Every late 90s action movie cliche, including a speedboat chase that ends in speedboats colliding with land and instantly blowing up in the biggest explosion you could imagine from a speedboat. It's fantastic. The, the final showdown between John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, because those are the two main actors who are facing off the whole premise of the film, is ridiculous. I don't want to spoil the whole movie because I do feel everyone needs to go and see this movie. But the final showdown at the end of the film between the protagonist and the antagonist, Nicolas Cage, and John Travolta. The setup for this shot is so cliched, but so epic and cheesy. They're about to meet in this church of all places for a final showdown, which already has that great contrast of polar opposites, that there's going to be a, a conflict there, but you're in a church. And then a slow motion shot of Nicolas Cage approaching the church, and there's these birds that fly out in front of him. Not doves, because that'd be a bit too classy, but seagulls, I think. That's what they looked like anyway. They were near a beach, so I can kind of overlook the fact that there's seagulls in a slow motion shot. Anyway, it's pretty epic and it sets up the rest of the film. It's a ridiculous plot, taking a character's face off and putting him on another character's face to go in and interrogate someone to get a, some kind of response for a bomb threat in downtown Los Angeles. The plot is ridiculous and there's lots of action, but it keeps the plot moving forward. It keeps propelling all the action forward as well and it's fast paced and it's exactly what you want from one of these kinds of action films. And I think John Woo and Nicolas Cage and John Travolta all combine really well in this instance and produce some of Travolta's and Cage's finest work at least in this era. So that's the B-list for this week, wrapping up podcast episode number two. Thanks very much for listening in, guys. Be sure to look out for next week's episode as well. And once again, we are on social media, like our Facebook page, The B-List with Sean Piercy, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at B underscore list Piercy. I'd love to hear from you. And let me know what movies you want to see featured on the podcast or what things you'd like to see me cover as well. Thanks again, guys, and we'll catch you next week on The B-List.